Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Conference USA fans and family? This is your boy, Alex Nicholas from SBN, SB Nation, Minor Rush, live here in El Paso, Texas. On the line, I got my boy from the Daily Dragon, Dave West. Dave, what's going on? All the way out in Birmingham, Alabama, connected here on the Conference USA Hoops cast. What's going on, Dave? Man, all good here in the Magic City. All It's all good here, and it's good in El Paso because we're both on two-game win streak, which, you know, <laughs> the seven weeks we've done this, uh, that, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, definitely. I actually got to watch some – you know, it's weird because I'm joking with people about, you know, what I saw this weekend, obviously, you know, FAU and FIU coming into town. And I said, you know, these group of – you know, three teams were so bad, it meant for really good basketball. But I was able to, to get a really good look at the Florida team, something that I hadn't really done. Uh, so definitely have something, uh, you know, to talk about there. And, you know, surprise, surprise, you know, Middle Tennessee, I mean, that's kind of uh, – I know we have a little – you know, we're obviously going to go through what happened last week and what transpired going over, but it really just stands out to me. We've been talking about this team all year, David, and, now, you know, in a couple weeks, you know, three weeks in the conference play, and this team just continues, continues to show not only are they the class of Conference USA, but in my opinion, possibly the class of middle, or excuse me, of mid-major basketball for what this Middle Tennessee State team continues to accomplish night in and night out. I'm still, and I, I totally agree with you. I think middle has been fantastic. I think they're they're dominant. Uh, one of the most dominant Conference USA teams I've seen in a long time. Uh, but they've had three of their first five at home. They've had one of the more manageable conference schedules thus far. Uh, I'm really curious to see them get on the road and go through some adversity. And they had a little bit against Western when Giddy got into foul trouble, but they haven't had much adversity so far. Everyone's been really healthy. Uh, the planets have aligned thus far, but – you know, I mean, I have to, I have to agree with you. I mean, they're just totally dominant, and and I don't know if that means eighteen and zero, but it, they're going to be damn close to it. Teams are really starting to to kind of shape in the form, and Dave put together some really good uh, show notes. Teams that we're going to go over. One of them is Louisiana Tech, and I, I kind of texted you over the weekend about. And we talked about it last week, kind of the key to this this Louisiana Tech team and, and me being able to finally watch Louisiana Tech conference play, talking about how key Daquan Bracey is in terms of just getting them organized offensively so they're not jacking up lazy three-point shots. And this is a team that, that can actually get away with that. But they're so good, and I feel like, you know, and, and Dave, we talked about this, like I mentioned earlier, that Daquan Bracey makes this team more efficient he, he gets the, the length that they have, the size that they have, the shooters that they have. He makes everything just easy. And in Conference USA Freshman of the Week, really, really kind of seemed like he listened to our podcast in the sense where I said that he has to kind of get going on both ends in terms of distributing, in terms of being able to score around the rim. And, and this Louisiana Tech team really bounced back from a subpar start in terms of just the teams that they lost to early on, talking about UTSA in particular. But, you know, defensively, what they're able to do blocking shots, taking away, you know, kind of getting away from the Daquan Bracey, where is this Where is this team ceiling defensively with the shot blockers that, that they have? In particular one, I think is Jonah White is, is the guy that I'm really trying to touch on here. How good defensively can this Louisiana Tech team be, and can that carry them on into a role here in Conference USA play? 
it, it's almost unfair, like through roster turnover and uh, the, the exchange from Mike White to um, Eric Conkle, you would think they would like drop off or something uh, in their defensive play, but it's not the case. It, it, it's, it's almost ingrained in, in La Tech basketball. They are leading, and I wrote in our notes, six of the nine defensive categories on KenPom.com, uh, Ken they're leading, like, the whole conference. I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're playing fantastic defense. They're long, they're athletic, and they're fast. And, they, and like you said, they have, they have good shot blockers. Uh, Boykins is great. I mean, um, but, you know, Janiah White, obviously, I mean, he's, he's just right behind William Lee at UAB. I mean, he, he's a fantastic shot blocker, and he's playing minimal minutes. Um, it, it, it was it was a great road swing from them for, for them, and you would have thought when I was on the radio with um, the Bleed Tech Blue guys in Ruston last last Tuesday, you would have thought that they were zero and twenty or something. Like they just didn't have a lot of confidence. I couldn't hear it in their voice at least. Uh, but they went up to Charlotte and led wire to wire and just played a physical brand of basketball. Had four guys in double figures. And they followed it up in they in, in at in Old Dominion at, at the TED where the last time they were there a couple two or three years ago they got blown out they got their first win there in Conference USA at Old Dominion's place and and again they had four guys in double figures but it's 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 all through Daquan Bracy right now he's not playing like a freshman he had 21 points at Old Dominion he he's just heady and and I'm I'm just shocked every time I watch him I was like man this kid just makes Good decision after good decision every time he's out there. Definitely a team that that's just going to continue to to get it done on both ends of the floor. I've talked highly about how the high level of talent they have offensive. We didn't even talk about really Eric McCree as we have in the past or how good he can be. So that's definitely a team that that's going to be uh, as we've been talking about it definitely a good tenor. But a team that I think is really starting to kind of show themselves and. and you know, this is not because of of their lack of what they have. This is somebody that's not there. And this is Old Dominion talking about uh, one of the Smith brothers being out. It, you know, is this kind of, without them, is Old Dominion kind of in that five through seven range in terms of standings and in terms of pecking order of being kind of on the outside looking at the contenders? You know, we've talked about how good they are defensively, but, you know, they they showed some chinks in the armor, losing by four, you know, to, to to Southern Miss now, be it it was in the 50s, but still that's a team you would feel last week that we would say maybe, okay, Old Dominion is going to keep it in the 50s but win by double digits. Is that attrition or whatever's going on with Stith? What do you know about that, and is that going to hinder Old Dominion from making a run towards the conference tournament and, and just being a kind of a middle-of-the-pack team that can really, really defend well? Uh, Jeff Jones um, last week uh, said this could be an extended injury. This could be like a late February, maybe even conference tournament before he comes back. And in, in, the thing about Brandon Stith is he just does everything well. I mean, he's, he's not going to you know go out there and score 20 points regularly. He very rarely does. But he rebounds well. He, he, he's a good energy guy. And he's just a really, really elite defender. The things that don't show up on stat sheets. Um, He's kind of the glue guy for that team. But I will say the way Old Dominion plays, they keep every game close, uh, no matter who they're playing, just because of the way they're, the, the, the tempo of their offense and, their, and what their defense dictates. Um, but it, what it's done is it's given B.J. Stith, his brother, the sophomore transfer from Virginia, it's given him a chance to really come in and 
as a guard slash forward guy playing the three, he's come in and he's really had some great minutes for them and grown a lot. And uh, it's also given uh, the another sophomore, Trey Porter, who I, I thought was fantastic down in the Bahamas for Old Dominion. He's another one of those six nine, uh, you know, forwards they have. They feel like we just have a an arsenal of them. Um, so yeah, while Brandon's out, they're going to take some L's, but they're getting some guys some minutes. Zoran Talley had a suspension a couple games ago for a couple games, and he's back in the mix. And he had a good night the other night against La Tech. I think Old Dominion's going to be fine, but to to give you a really long explanation for for what you were what you were trying to ask, I think they are a five to seven, five to eight team without Brandon Stiff. He's that big of a deal. But it'll all kind of work out in the mix once it gets to late February in conference tournament time because, I mean, defense travels. I mean, uh, as long as you're a really good, fundamentally sound defensive team late in the year, you can really make some noise. I mean, that's why Old Dominion made it to the the conference tournament uh, championship last year. It wasn't just Trey Freeman. It was, it was because they bullied everybody in Birmingham. Another team that, that you – Hit it right on the on the nose to, to lead way into this next team. We're talking about fundamental defensive teams and really good heady teams, and that's UTSA. You know, looking at at their Ken Palm stats, they're 123rd in adjusted efficiency on defense, which is pretty darn good if you followed UTA, UTSA basketball in terms of their lack of defense of the past couple of seasons, but. You you advise to pump the brakes on UTSA, and it's very just because they really haven't played nobody, and and that not only in conference USA play, but you look at their eight wins in a row this year at home, you know. But explain a little, elaborate further. Is there anything other than the schedule that you maybe see? I personally see, you know, their lack of scoring that's going to hurt them against maybe a team that can match with them defensively, like an Old Dominion, like a UAB, like a Middle Tennessee. That yeah, they can play into the forties, but you know, when that other team has those horses to be able to stretch a uh, get a game into the forties into the sixties with some inside scoring, with some three point shooting, I think that is where I feel UTSA kind of lacks. Is there anything else maybe where you see that? this team is a fraud besides, like I said, who they haven't played or who they played. Yeah, and I, and I, don't, want, I don't want to make it sound like I'm dogging UTSA because I'm one of those guys that, that I'd like to see every team in the conference compete, you know, week in, week out, and have, you know, you know winning records at the end of the year, things like that. So I'm kind of, kind of an all-conference kind of, you know, viewpoint person. But what, you, what you're seeing with UTSA right now to start their first uh, four ga- excuse me, first five games in conference play is that, had, like we said, they, they've had a weak schedule. They have the 14th weakest schedule, and which is dead last, or dead-ass last, to use a Tim Floyd term. Uh, <laughs> they just ha- haven't quite been tested yet. The Law Tech win in Ruston was big. I'll give them that. They really hung their hat on their defense. But they're going to come up short against teams like Old Dominion, um, um, Middle Tennessee, and UAB, it's because of their front court. Yes, Beverly is fantastic. He's real gritty. He's a good uh, defensive and offensive rebounder. But that's it. It ends there. They don't have anyone else other than him, other than maybe O'Brien, uh, which he, I mean, he's all skin and bones at 6'10", 245. I mean, he's not so much of a post player. But when they get against some of those teams, they are ranked 351st, which is, again, dead-ass last in NCAA at three-point shooting. If they're going to get shut down in the interior when they play these bigger teams in Commerce USA, they're going to have real troubles. And 
I mean, granted, they're going to have UAB in middle at home, but they're going to struggle, and that's when, that's when it's going to kind of correct itself. And, but anything for UTSA, like over 500 in conference play, it's fantastic. I'd be thrilled for them. So that's kind of what I'm coming around to about the pump the brakes part. Yes, a four and one starts fantastic, but it's it's going to correct itself sooner than later. I mean, it may not be um, this week when they play UTEP um, at at the Haskins Center on Saturday, but it may be a little bit after that when they hit the road against Marshall and Western and um, you know cross a couple time zones. So. Um, but let's, let's see. I'd love to be shocked. I'd love for them to, to prove me wrong. So we'll, it's, a, it's a wait and see approach for them. Totally agree. I mean, anytime a team that starts four and one, they turn your, you know, you turn heads, but you look at it, definitely they have some deficiencies there that you pointed out. And like I mentioned, you know, just their lack of, of having that go-to guy outside of Beverly. That's what really kind of stops me from, from drinking that Kool-Aid a little bit too much, but it definitely is sweet down there in UTSA, no doubt about it. Uh, a team that – another team moving on here that, that we really, really were kind of high on coming into conference play, and that's Marshall. It, it, it's not about how they started for no. I really personally felt it was a way that they hung, and I kind of sound like a broken record talking about, you know, hanging with, with Cincinnati, uh, you know, then hanging uh, with Pitt both on the road. But they got a reality check, and I think anybody gets a reality check that has to go to that Murfreesboro, Birmingham swing. But I think more so in my mind of the reality check is because in neither game, it seemed like they were – it wasn't a Marshall-type game, you know, a game that – their type of style where it's an 80s, 90s shootout where it depends on three-point shooting. And it really comes down to them, you know, having the ball in the last couple of minutes to be able to dictate that. They got smacked around. I mean, literally smack. Anytime Marshall scores less than 60 points, if they lose by three, to me, Marshall got smacked around. You were able to see, uh, you know, the second half of that when they just got obliviated, in my opinion, by UAB. Is this team just what, – what is it? Is there lack of defense, lack of depth, or is this team just too reliant on being able to outscore people that you get these type of teams that we've talked about, how they're going to fare when they go up against the UABs, and the middles, and obviously this team is just not ready or or just not on that level. What do you feel that it is or what happened with Marshall this weekend? I'll say this about Marshall. Their margin of error is so, so minute. They, they, if if all all the things go well for them and the shots fall early and they get their spacing and their tempo the way they want to, like it was at Cincinnati when they hit 15 first half threes, they can stay on the court with anyone. I mean, with, with, when it's running like that, I mean, no one can – I mean, they're shooting over you at that point. They're playing around you and, and past you. But what they saw against Middle and UAB, they saw two teams that were just deep. We just – we personally, I, to speak on the UAB, uh, UAB Marshall game, we just brought in guard after guard after guard that was 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you know, long and, you know, fundamentally sound defensively. And we just drove John Elmore crazy. And, and he's a fantastic player. Seeing him in person really, really gives you a good idea of just how savvy he is. I mean, he still had his moments, even as, as well as we defended him with Hakeem Baxter and, and, a, and, a, and a myriad of other guards that we put on him. But what ended up happening was he, want, he, he could only do so much, so he, had, so he was getting shut down the first half, so he had to rely on his supporting cast. Ryan Taylor has some really good moments. He's, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really, really good undersized post guy. But it, it kind of ends there. If Austin Luke misses a couple threes, which he did, he's gone. 
You got Stevie Browning, who just, I mean, he's in and out. He's, he, he's athletic, but he's an undersized guard, and, and, and he's hit or miss. When these guys aren't hitting threes consistently, it, it just shakes up their whole scheme. And um, and then they got and then Pinaba, their their quote unquote their big man, six nine Bosnian, he hurt his ankle about halfway through the first half. And when he went down, I mean I mean shit hit the fan at that point. Like their depth just went down tremendously. And um, and when they started bringing some guys in in the second half off the bench that had no business being in that ball game. But against William Lee, Chris Coakley, and Tosa Mahanty, I mean they had a couple, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm doing the air quotes with my fingers. They had a couple bigs that came out that that had would have trouble would have trouble competing in the YMCA league, but but I'm gonna give them a lot of credit because they even had a lead had, had even you know had, were ahead at one point in the second half. They they fought really hard. They're a good team, but it, it really hurts them in, in the front court. They don't have the depth there. After Ryan Taylor, especially when Pinnacle was out. Um, Terrence Thompson, and I, I haven't mentioned him yet, his return is, is going to be big for Marshall. Marshall's going to win double-digit games in Conference USA uh, because of his return and C.J. Burke. They, they, they've, they've got a good 7-8 good, good player squad. But when they start seeing teams like Middle and UAB that are deep with 10 players and they're just physical, they're just no match for them. They kind of they're, they're kind of reminding me of what UTEP was when this first uh, conference new conference USA was, was kind of formed. Where it was UTEP's defense that was kind of their strange. Hey, kids back there tearing up the house. <laughs> uh, you know, where UTEP back in those days, their defense was strength, their, their their height was their strength, and you look at kind of where Marshall is, where their offense is their strength, and, and that's pretty much it. And, and just kind of like UTEP was, where they were kind of that sub five hundred team that that could really really get to you on any night or any type of road swing. That's kind of how I see Marshall so far this year and maybe even their expectations too, but that's going to be huge. Terrence Thompson really is going to have a step up to the forefront in that front court and getting guys like him, CJ Burst, maybe that can really, really kind of get them ready for later in that conference site, as you mentioned, going up against the big dogs. But a team that that's really struggled and a team that uh, we've, kind of been hit or miss on and I think you got a really really good gauge of where Charlotte is they've just struggled you know pretty much since about midway early December uh I thought you know I felt that they were going to turn a corner and then they went on that road trip at at that wake they got waxed at Florida got waxed at Maryland got waxed and they just haven't really been the same but you like this young core and I do too with John Davis but can Mark Price kind of keep the positivity together to allow a guy like John Davis to not get poached by a power five school and, and kind of keep that bright future that you feel Charlotte has going forward. Yeah. I don't think we have to worry about John Davis transferring. It's not like the current Scott uh, relationship that when he left to go to Tulsa, I just don't get that feel. I, I feel like John Davis is very comfortable under Mark Price. Um, you know, almost being, he's a mentor to him. They're, they play a very similar brand of basketball, at the guard position, but, um, yeah, I, I made the comments that I felt like their future was bright, and it, it is probably not going to be this season. But I say the future is bright because they have just a good young nucleus. To compliment John Davis, uh, lately the, Quentin Jackson, the, the, that heralded recruit they, they got out of Carolina, North Carolina, he's, he's, he's worked himself in the starting lineup, and he's the real deal, Alex. Um, he's, he's a good, solid, physical guard at 6'3". Um, he can hit from the outside. He can finish around the rim. 
he, he's a he's a first, second team conference kind of guy a couple of years down the road. He's that talented. It's just it's just their front court. And and we and we seems like we say this every single week. That's what separates the really good conference USA teams and then the rest is if you don't have one, two, and even three just consistently good and big, solid front court players, talented guys, then you really have no chance winning these um, Conference USA. You've got to have a little bit of a mix of the front and the back. You can't do, you know, Marshall can't do it with just guards, and they, you know, they want to. Charlotte's not going to be able to do it with just guards. You got to have some big guys, and they're just struggling. I mean, there there are occasions. I, mean, I would say most of the game where they've got an, uh, the, the guard, the Clemson transfer for Austin Ajukla, he's 6'7". He's the biggest guy on the court. And Anthony Van Hook, who's a forward, and he's 6'4", he's a lot of times the biggest guy on the floor. It's just that's not going to work this season, um, I'll, I'll say. But So Mark Price needs to find some quality players in, in the front court area. Uh, but going forward, I mean, they've got the guards. They've got Adrian White, who's just a knockdown three-point shooter, so they've got a good nucleus there. But that's what's separating them from being, you know, a top half of the league kind of team or even higher. They just got to have some front court players, and they just don't have that right now. Moving on to Southern Miss, they had a, a great weekend, uh, two weekends ago, being able to, to sweep both UTSA and UTEP. And then this week, definitely a little bit more challenging going on the road, hanging with Old Dominion. And and losing at Charlotte by double digits, you, we still don't know exactly how this team's going to come together with Kahari Price, but we do know that Kahari Price is good enough to get them at least into Birmingham. And you feel they're kind of out of the water, uh, out of those murky 12th through 13th through 14th place waters that it seems like now UTEP, FIU, and FAU. Is it safe to say with Kahari Price that, Middle, uh, that Southern Miss should keep their head out of that murky water and be able to at least secure them a spot in the Birmingham pretty comfortably down the stretch of the season. They're going to be really close, and it's really, and, I, and personally, I think it's going to come down to UTEP and Southern Miss, and they're going to. And, and they, Southern Miss won the first game at home in, in Hattiesburg against UTEP, but they're going to play again uh, in the middle of February. And, it, and that's a big game for both those programs right now because I feel like both of those programs are kind of starting to figure some stuff out and, you know, getting some wins and, and you know, having some momentum. But those, that's, that's going to be your number 12 battle right there between those two, two teams. I watch, you know, the majority of Charlotte and uh, Southern Miss, and when Southern Miss is starting five, it's pretty darn athletic, and, and, and they look like, you know, a normal Conference USA team. But it just drops off so dramatically after that. and um, But, yeah, to, to preach on what you're saying, Kari Price, now that he's back, it, it just makes him that much better of a team. He, he's, he's a good, a really good point guard uh, for them, and he's good enough to get them into Birmingham. And let's keep a close eye on it. I mean, they're, they're going to make it tough. They play, defense, they play defense pretty darn well. I mean, they're in the top seven in, in most of the, of the defensive categories. So it's something to keep, keep an eye on. I got a chance to see the struggling Florida schools firsthand this weekend, and it really wasn't pretty, particularly Florida International. Um, you know, they were without Dante McGill and, and, and were down 15 to UTEP during the 18-0 run, and they were still able to manage to send that one in a double overtime 
uh, kind of shows you where UTEP struggles are, you know, a, a shorthanded team. And that just without, – without McGill, I just really did not see anything there, uh, you know, of note in terms of them being – you know, you look at these teams and it's like, okay, you know they're bad, but, you know, can they sneak up on a, on a UAB? Can they sneak up on a Middle Tennessee? I just don't see it from this Florida National team. Got to see Kessens. He's a good-looking kid, has some decent touch around the rim. Knows how to use his big body in terms of creating space and blocking out. But other than that, it's just not there. Uh, Eric Nottage had a really good game. He kind of took over for a stretch, just basically putting his head down and driving UTEP. And that's kind of a way to, 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 to break down UTEP, especially when they have a lead. So nothing really special there. I was disappointed in a guy like Elmo Stefan. I was really, really looking for him to, to kind of take a step. He had a great game against UTEP last year, but instead it was Kamar Williams. But these guards just aren't talented enough to, to be able to take over a game against some of these big dogs. And that's also the same against FAU. You know, I, I was more disappointed in FAU because they have the tools. They had the better athletes, I felt, you know, coming into this game. I think I had even texted you. I mean, I was pretty impressed with just these guys in warm-ups, but they just were unable to kind of impose their will on UTEP. They weren't able to, to, to create a post game, and I'm talking about FAU, and it just – their guards, the same thing, just, just really ineffective in terms of creating their own shot in terms of just being playmakers, being those alpha dogs that you need. And I think that's really, really what's going to hurt just both these Florida schools is just a lack of playmaking guards. The bigs are there. There's no doubt about it. Kessens, uh, you know, is a tremendous talent. You look at Ronald Delph as another good talent. But Adonis Filer, I mean, this is a guy that, that, that really kind of disappeared at times, a guy that I thought maybe could take a step as well. But, yeah, these Florida schools are definitely, definitely struggling. And, and you know, that's really going to be something that, that's going to kind of be easy for teams that have these type of Florida swings, whether it's at home or on the road. These two teams are definitely struggling. And it's going to come down to them, UTEP, the Florida schools and UTEP along possibly with Southern Miss like we mentioned. And I think moving on to another school here, we finally had one of those teams that we've been kind of on the fringe with, and I'm talking about Western Kentucky, where we, we've, we've documented their, their problems, but we weren't sure if this is a team that, that was going to be a factor in terms of cracking that top five. And I think, Dave, to you, they just kind of proved that they're a pretender. Yeah, man, it's it was it was worse than I thought. I've been watching them all year on TV and on the online streams, but once you see it in person, you get a better feel for it. They're just they're, they've got so many guys that are just playing out of position. Uh, they, they don't have a true point guard. Uh, Justin Johnson's out jacking up threes. It's just it's just it's just a really you know, hodgepodge of players that. That there's there's talent individually here and there that's pretty darn good, but but none of it really works together. And w- what really would have helped them w- would have been Willie Carmichael, the uh, Tennessee transfer who played some solid minutes for them in the, in their preseason, but he got suspended, left for like 10, 15, 10 or twelve games, came back, played a couple minutes, and now he after playing three minutes against UAB, he has now officially left the school. Uh, tweeted out today that he's no longer with the program, and and, and so that I mean that's just really just the nail in the coffin on uh, for, for WKU. They 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 pretty much got six guys, maybe seven guys that are, that can compete at the conference USA level, and that's really the, just debatable. Um, I, I I feel for them. I don't know what, the thing about it is. I mean they're bringing in this great recruiting class next year, but they're going to lose. You know they're they're one of the oldest teams in, in the in the whole country because of all these graduate transfers. I mean, they're going to have a complete roster turnover again next year. 
So, I mean, don't expect them to have in their first, you know, 12, 13 games next year to be, you know, this hot team with all these big recruits. It's going to take a while for them to gel. And I think they will eventually, but – but right now, I mean, uh, they're going to be lucky to be a top 10 seed, to be completely honest with you, in the Conference USA Tournament. As we finish up our week two recap, talking about next, the Rice Owls, a team that had that daunting uh, UAB Middle Tennessee swing, albeit at home, but they still were able were, were, they got swept. But they bounced back North Texas. This is a game that was uh, North Texas led by two at halftime. And we're thinking, oh, shit, Tony Benford listened to our podcast, and he has his guys fired the hell up <laughs> to play the moves. And in the second half, Rice just dominates them and puts up almost, what, six, or puts up more than 60 points, puts up a 64 points in the second half. <laughs> 64, man, 64, and that was a, th- and it was in the 30s in the first half that these two teams play. Our guy Igor goes off 26 and 11, or 26 and 15 and four rebounds. I mean, this, this Rice team, is, if they can just find that way to be able to to, to turn a, a last two minutes against a really good team and to play that perfect basketball to to etch out that victory. I mean, this team is going to be special with guys like Igor, and we've just talked about them every week. But what did this win tell you? Going on that daunting um, two games they felt that they probably should have won last week, and then you're down at the half uh, to North Texas, who well, I think we all pretty know how much I feel about North Texas, and then to bounce back and to dominate <laughs> that second half. What did that tell you about where Rice is at? Not, not, we know what they have physically. We know their pieces, but where this team is at mentally in terms of turning that mental corner to being a contender in the conference USA. Yeah, they're totally fine. They 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 play really smart basketball the majority of the time when they take the court. Uh, and I think they're I think they're going to be a top four team. I'm I'm going to almost say they're almost a shoe in for for getting a top four seed in the conference USA tournament, and they and deservingly so. They've got really good pieces, really good guards. And they're they're probably the only team in Conference USA that can get away with not having a true front court, just because the way Igor plays in and out of like a guard forward position, and he's a an elite rebounder at the at his size for a guard. Uh, I think I, I, I think I think they're good to go. I think um, the the two and three record they have in Conference USA right now, I think it's a little misleading having played UAB in middle. I think they're going to be a double. They're going to be pushing for double digit wins and. and and uh, Conference USA play, and keep this in mind, like the last six seasons, uh, they, they haven't had a single 500, like over 500 record in Conference USA. So, I mean, this is a major step forward for them. Um, I mean, I, I, love, I love Marcus Evans, and I think Igor could be a real, real contender with Ja'Cory Williams at this, the Conference USA Player of the Year. I mean, he, uh, Igor is just, I think he's like .2 points per game away from passing John Elmore is the most points per game in Conference USA right now. Um, he, I mean, he's pushing it, and he's doing things way more efficiently than anyone else. And he, he's just a special talent. I mean, I love watching them. This, this Thursday at Louisiana Tech is going to be a really – it's going to be an oil and water kind of game. I mean, uh, Tech's a fantastic defensive team, and, and, and Rice is great on the road and at home offensively. That that's probably your game to watch when we get start talking about these games that are coming up this next week. Definitely a, a lot of takeaways from last week. Really good stuff on that stuff. Uh, on, on getting this together, Dave. Looking together, looking 
forward at who's trending, we're going to be homers on this one because obviously outside of teams not named Middle Tennessee, uh, UAB and UTEP probably had the strongest weekends. Uh, starting with UAB, that's four in, a, four in a row now, an impressive back-to-back sweep. Really all four of these wins have been impressive, but really the way that they were just – I felt that UAB was able to just impose their will on teams that preseason you would expect that they did. What was that first-hand, uh, you know, first-hand report of what you saw with the Blazers, not only this weekend, but just over this four-game streak, and it really looks like this team is, is finding their niche. You know, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but these last two games were possibly more impressive than any of the games that we played last season with that really great 26-win team. This team is playing defense now. Now that we have guys playing at their natural position, they're playing it at a really, really high, like, power school level. Uh, We're just – we're a nightmare to try to score against in the paint. Our, our long, lengthy guards are finally getting into the right positions in the perimeter and closing out on three-point shots. Our um, three-quarter court press is finally taking shape, which has given us, you know, we're, we're leading the Conference USA still percentage, which seems like we never could steal a ball um, in, in non-conference play. But everything's falling into place, and it all leads back to, to um, Denzel Watts the senior from Flint, Michigan, uh, the burly fullback-looking point guard, him starting to play the point guard, starting again as of the North Texas game, the second Conference USA game for us. It's just totally transformed this team. Um, it, 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 it's really amazing, honestly. I, I've seen UA, I saw UAB have some really, really bad moments in the non-conference play where things just looked totally disorganized. Players didn't ever really look disinterested, but there was this it was just no one really knew what their place was going to be. No one, no one was stepping up game in, game out. But now what you're seeing is you're seeing William Lee just, just become exactly what everyone would hope he was going to be. He, he was a top 70 ESPN 100 prospect when we, when we stole him away back in 2014. And he's just been a superstar. He, he's averaging 20 points per game and like 13 rebounds in the last four games. And, he, and you can finally see it in his eyes. You can see it in his play. He's taking bad shots. He's taking good shots. And I am so freaking glad he's doing it. I'll take the bad shots. I want him taking somewhere like 13 to 16 shots a game. He, he, he's that kind of talent. And, and defensively, he, he, he's an NBA-type prospect defensively. He hasn't had more than 3,000 3, any game this season. And he started every single game. And that's what having – 50, 50 blocks. He's, he's, it's amazing that he has not had more than 3,000. He's such an incredible shot blocker, shot blocker and just shot alterer that, um, I mean, I just, I'm scared to death he's going to leave after this season if he continues to, on the streak that he's going. But, yeah, I mean, I'm – Hey, hey, hey according UAB to Tim Floyd, no Conference USA players leave early except UTEP, all right? <laughs> just UTEP, man. That's where, that's where NBA players come. That's where they're bred and born. I'm from UTEP, baby. But, uh, man, I'm just – That's a legit I, I'm concern, pretty... though, with, with HaHa. That is really a legit concern because he's, he's, just, he's done it since he's walked on campus. This isn't like a one-hit or one-year wonder. He's been that consistent in terms of blocking shots and being that type of guy where you, where you watch him physically and you're like, oh, shit, this guy could play at the next level. And I think that's a legit concern. You, you really feel like, like, like that could become – 
a reality for UAB fans at the end of this year if he continues this pace? Yeah, I mean, he, he's projected like second round or better right now. Probably not better, but probably second roundish, uh, you know, 40s, somewhere around there. Uh, but I don't think he will because of his best friend, which is Nick Norton. They live together, and God bless that situation that it happened because I don't think he's going to leave without Nick uh, his senior year. Granted, Nick will have an additional year because he got hurt, but I think that's our saving grace, no matter how good he is, unless he just goes nuts in the NCAA tournament, if we were lucky enough to make it. I think, I think HaHa's coming back. But it, it, his offensive game has just flourished into a whole other level. I mean, you just don't see 6'9 guys like that shooting, you know, hitting five three-pointers at like a 65% clip. That's just, that's just it's scary. I mean, how do you defend a guy like that? Because he's finally taking people off the dribble, and he's getting at the rim. I mean, his his, his game winner against North Texas was was a you know took a guy off the dribble and got fouled, and it was and one. I mean, it's it's so much fun to watch in person, man. I can't wait until you get to see him at the Haskins Center in February. He has NBA written all over him. So we talked about the second hottest team in Conference USA. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about UTEP. I want to talk about one player in particular that, that I felt really, really uh, taking the charge for UTEP. But just a quick hit on the minors. It, it, it was kind of refreshing, uh, you know, to see UTEP just pull out wins. You know, these are, those are two games that, honestly, the way UTEP played, either blowing leads and playing kind of disorganized and, and goes back to coaching and, and Tim Floyd kind of stepping over his team's toes in, in certain instances. It was just good to see these guys kind of get their confidence back. You know, you lose 12 games and nobody here is used to losing losing 12 games in a row on the basketball side. You know, it, you can lose a team. And, and, you know, I just really felt that this team was able to, 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 to step up against competition that was towards them. You know, if you get what I'm saying, this UTEP team is not out of the woods yet. It's a good winning streak, but those Florida teams are just as bad at UTEP. But the guy that really, really stood out to me this weekend was Paul Thomas. I mean, this guy was huge. And as simple as this sounds, this is what UTEP needed, a la a Terry Wynn, what he could have done. And that's finishing around the rim. And that's what Paul Thomas did. Not only that, but he did bring in 19 and 11 on Thursday night, which is welcoming. Then he followed that up uh, with 14 and 8 talking about points and rebounds against Florida Atlantic. And that is what Dominic Artis and Omega Harris need. They need somebody to kind of offset that scoring load. And not only scoring load, but Dominic needs help rebounding. Dominic Artis has been UTEP's best rebounder. So it's good to see a guy like Thomas, a former four-star recruit. Yeah, and that, that's where he kind of, that's where I wanted to see him blossom was on the rebounding part. But now seeing Paul Thomas finish around the rim, that's what a four-star recruit is supposed to do. And so it's really good to see – him kind of get going because this, this that pays dividends for the future. Talking about what UTEP's going to bring in recruiting-wise, he can really mesh if he can continue to finish around the rim and rebound. So that was really the most encouraging thing. Obviously, UTEP getting two wins, but to see a guy like Paul Thomas play at a really, really high level, a level that I haven't seen him play since he was at Humble. He played, you know, for, what was it, North, North Creek or whatever, North Creek High School out of Houston, Texas. This is the last time he's played at this high level, so it's really, really good to see that. And because of that, this is why UTEP was able to, to, to create some type of separation 
from an inferior opponent that can match up with them, like an FAU and FIU. UTEP still not out of the waters left out of the waters yet, but when Matt Wilms and Paul Thomas play the way that they are in terms of finishing, rebounding, uh, affecting shots defensively, this UTEP team can compete, but this got to happen for a, a 35, 37 minutes a game because that is what Paul Thomas also played. The lack of depth UTEP has so definitely encouraging uh, to see you know a guy that was just highly touted being able to kind of step forward and, and, and have a solid weekend. And if it wasn't for the weekend William Lee had, I probably would have argued on Twitter that, that Paul Thomas deserved just a little bit of love for player of the week. But I agree. a long time coming for UTEP fans. So moving on to this week, a very – or moving on to this coming week, a very light schedule Thursday. It's kind of like uh, teams are playing their travel partners, in a sense, a little bit more than often. Uh, that happens kind of – it's kind of weird how they – put that in the schedule. Sometimes we've seen it in the first couple years at the beginning of the year at the end or at the end of the year. Now it's kind of getting that done at the end of the year, at the, begin, at the beginning of the year for some teams. So really Thursday, the only really good matchup in my mind, babe, is that Rice and Louisiana Tech. And that's a pretty damn good matchup to have. Yeah, totally. That's a freaking awesome game. Uh, like we were talking earlier, that's, that's a very contrasting style and, and uh, LaTeX has lost a little bit of the, of the magic at the at the tack. That that's their, that's their hot spot where they have an incredible win streak against Conference USA opponents. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to be tuned in. Our game is at seven, but uh, that one's at six thirty. So I'm going to have a you know the double screen on since I'll be at home because um, Lord knows I'm not traveling down to Boca in Miami to watch us play. Other games on the slate on Thursday, Middle Tennessee travels to FIU. North Texas is at Southern Miss. That, that could be a close game, North Texas at Southern Miss. But other than that, UAB definitely takes care of business on the road at FAU. Middle Tennessee takes care of business at FIU. And definitely that Rice and Louisiana Tech game is probably that only toss-up there on Thursday. It's kind of the same thing on Saturday, kind of a, a soft schedule in terms of sexy matchups. But definitely I'm going to be at that UTSA-UTEP game, which I think can be really, really good. Uh, we're gonna, I really want to see how UTSA can kind of take their success that they've had on the road. Uh, not going to be a, a tough environment. I doubt that UTEP fans will show up to that one, but I'm really interested to see if they can continue that streak. And that's really a, a sense of a program, you know, that, that's building themselves. Can you take that on the road and do it, a place that they haven't had any success recently? Um, and then you look at other games that, that can kind of, poke out at you that could be decently good. Western Kentucky at Marshall and then Old Dominion at Charlotte are games that I kind of are looking at that could be kind of good. Anything else that kind of catches your mind uh, or catches your eye for Saturday night? Western Marshall is going to be good. That's, that's the uh, the moonshine throwdown in football. And um, maybe they'll be psyched up for that for basketball as well. That's, that's two teams that are going to be hungry for a win. Western would be would have a losing record um, at, at, for the first time ever in conference USA play if they if if, if they you know in that game if they lose to Marshall so and but I think you know based on the on the matchups there I think Marshall should really have their way especially after losing two but um, yeah ODU Charlotte's gonna be fun again it's another contrasting in styles Old Dominion loves to have the tempo slow Charlotte loves to have it fast Charlotte needs one in a bad way I mean they're two and four. If they can get a win here, maybe that keeps them in the conversation of being, you know, a top half of the league team. But um, I'm going to be tuned into that. But but to to go back to what you were speaking of, I, I can't wait to watch that UTSA UTEP game. I think that's going to be two really really hungry teams, two teams that have won two games straight each, 
and um, and they're they're not going to want to give up. You know, not not a rivalry by any means, but they're travel partners. You know, you don't want to lose your travel partner, especially you don't want to get swept. And um, and, and and UTEP owes them one after losing at the combo. Uh, you know, two years in a row. Excuse me. Wait, yeah, have y'all lost the combo two years in a row? Is yeah. that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. God two damn, that's <laughs> That's amazing, man. <laughs> Sorry, Tim Floyd ball. Hey, 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 you know what? That's all Tim Floyd, man. Man, anywho, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's not not the sexiest week, but it feels good for me and you, who you know, covering UAB and covering UTEP. It feels good to have a couple wins under your belt and going forward, and you know, because you, you're happy for the players and you're happy for the fans and. I mean, I'm probably a little happier than you are, given your situation. But <laughs> I'm still looking for, <laughs> I'm still looking forward to it, man. I I turned 30 on Wednesday, so I'd like to have a birthday present from UAB on Thursday and Saturday. There you go, there you go. Before we wrap this up, though, I I, I got to ask you real quick. The standings are are just kind of jumbled right now. Uh, nobody really has a spot. I I, I pumped out our, our our CUSA power rankings ballot today. Give me your top four. Who, 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 if you haven't voted yet, or, or if you have voted, who's your I top four right now based on a power ranking system? Middle Tennessee's one, UAB is two, and that's where things oh, start getting interesting. <laughs> yeah, I've got, <laughs> I got Lodzek three, and fourth I have Rice, like edging out Marshall. So I've got Middle, UAB, Lodzek, and Rice. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I've been kind of putting – I've been one of those that's kind of been down on, on UAB and put them fourth. But I think this week I'll definitely probably go Middle Tennessee one, UAB two. I'm still high on Louisiana Tech. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them at three. And then definitely I'll have Marshall, even though they're four and two, I'll definitely have that four. So keep an eye out on that. We'll have that pumped out for you guys tomorrow. Conference USA Power Rankings ought to go out sometime in the evening. We'll also – the return of of the Brush podcast seems like I haven't uh, podcasted with my boy Anthony over there at Minor Rush in like a year. Oh, so we're gonna get that back going. Yeah, yeah, it's about to be lit. We got a lot <laughs> to talk about football, Utah football and basketball. Follow Dave over at the underscore Daily Dragon for your all your UAB needs. Follow them on Twitter. Check out their work at thedailydragon.com. All your game previews, all your conference USA write ups leading up to another week, which starts on Thursday. Follow us over at Minor Rush. Got some Utah football recruiting coming up, some news coming up, also a little bit of information on that Paul Thomas improvement coming up this week. So for Dave West, I'm Alex Nicholas, and this has been Episode 7 of the Conference USA Podcast. We out of here. Peace.